everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast on the Youth Critic Network. Plus years of service. Combat medals, citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion, you won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die. should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are. Captain. What is that? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Critic Podcast. I am your host, Kale Smith. And joining me t- this week is David Weiser from Film Assessment. Hi, everybody. And joining us uh, on the show this week for the first time is Matt Brown. Hey, thanks for having me. And uh, Matt, since you are the guest of the show, uh, what movie are we talking about today? It would be Top Gun Maverick. So what you're saying is we're going into the danger zone. That's probably the best way to put it. Okay. Let's see if it'll take my breath away. <laughs> all right. We can try to hit all the titles or are we going to be playing with the boys today? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I ain't worried about anything. That's from the new movie. Uh, so, but yeah. We are talking about Top Gun Maverick uh, today, and in honor of the podcast, uh, kind of at the last minute, we threw together some call names, as the characters in the film have call names, because we don't have. So, uh, starting with you, David, what was your call sign? Starboy, I think is what. <laughs> Starman. No, or Starman. Ooh, I like Starman. Starman. We'll go with that. Okay, okay. Starman. Uh, and... Matt? Matt, I went with Ginger for my red hair. Okay. And I will go lame and go with Critic. The Critic. All right. So so starting with uh, you, um, Ginger, uh, what was, what's your history with Top Gun? It it is a movie I've seen a, a number of times throughout the years. It's one I've enjoyed it wasn't one that was like in my constant rotation you know like a movie like a back to the future or a jaws or something but it was something that was always there that uh i liked uh which is why not to jump too far ahead to maverick but it's why it's also why it surprised me how much i really loved 
this new one because I was sort of like a, a casual enjoyer of the first movie, but it's definitely something I've seen a number of times. Uh, and David? Um, so I watched it for the first time like 2015. I don't remember why. It had something to do with there was some reason like I was like watching it. There was like some new Tom Cruise movie coming out and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch through some of his filmography. And so I watched it for the very first time in like 2015. And I remember thinking like how it felt very much of its time, uh, like very much. A, it is like unapologetically 80s. And then I rewatched it last week before seeing Top Gun and I liked it more the second time, but I still like thought it was just like, kind of like, uh, it's all right. Like it's, got its moments it's pretty enjoyable but it's nothing special so like like matt um i didn't have the highest expectations for the sequel like although the trailers did look really cool and it seemed like they were really like leveling up with like the filmmaking alone like they were doing a lot of cool things with like the aerial photography and stuff um that i was excited to see that and uh, I've Tom Cruise has been on a good run lately. If you uh, ignore the Mummy and uh, that Jack Reacher sequel, but like <laughs> otherwise, I mean, like he's killing it with the Mission Impossibles. Uh, I liked American Made too, and then um, yeah, that was good. Um, All you need is kill. Uh, it was a good movie. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Or live, die, repeat, whatever. It's or Edge of Tomorrow. We've got like five different titles on that one. <laughs> yeah. Live, die, repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, colon. Uh, no, but uh, yeah. So uh, so my history with uh, Top Gun is that it's a movie that uh, my parents love. So every time it was like on CMT or uh, just like whatever it was on like syndication, like we would watch it or watch parts of it. And it's a movie that I'm kind of just passive over because I don't know, just there was something like it didn't have the energy of Star Wars. It didn't have the energy of Indiana Jones where it's just like wham, bam, you know, hit, kick, that kind of thing. And so for me, it really never, it, and on top of that, my parents like really, really loved it. So it had that uncool factor uh yeah so um so i was kind of just like oh, it's, it's okay whatever and i saw it again in 2020 when i thought we were gonna get the movie like at christmas or something and i was like okay i mean i get it i get like why this is a huge like this was a huge movie this was a huge four quadrant movie and then i saw like the documentary um behind the movie and basically was like oh yeah now i understand like why the movie is the way it is it's a movie that was basically saved in editing uh and and yeah my general thoughts on top gun were that it was a solid movie i don't know why we need a sequel because it's one of those it's one of it's like a pure time capsule like this is what we were thinking this is what we were this is like what we were screaming, you know, F yeah, you know, to in the, you know, 80s. I mean, it's it's very much its own, you know, it's, it's, it's very much its own time capsule. So going into this, I was like, okay, great. You know, we got Jerry Bruckheimer. Everyone's kind of coming back. Val Kilmer's kind of coming back. And Joe Kaczynski, I've been very soft on uh, because I'm not a huge I like the visual and the music 
of Tron Legacy. The story is not that great. And then Oblivion is not, I haven't seen since in 10 years. I haven't seen it in nearly 10 years. But only The Brave is like one of the better movies of the decade. Like it's one of the, it, it, it really is like a very like shockingly good movie. Yeah, it was really underrated. I don't think it, it kind of came and went without a lot of fanfare, but I thought it was really good. I was probably one of the five people who saw it in theaters. Same. I was the other, I was one of the other five. Yeah. Uh, but no, so going into this, I was like, okay, what's going to happen? How are they going to do this? How are they going to pull it off? This, and this was right after Mission Impossible Fallout, where we've had Tom Cruise jumping out of airplanes, Tom Cruise hanging on airplanes. Um, so that was kind of like what I was going into into like how are they going like how is tom cruise going to top himself well instead of just endangering himself he decides to endanger his entire cast by putting them through like these aerial (laughs) exercises um that are very dangerous very intense on the body um yeah so i commend him talking on talk shows about like he helped design the training program like Tom, you're not in the Navy. Why are you designing the program? But he's talking about like, yeah, because it was all about we had to teach him, you know, about the, the camera and we had to teach the pilots about filmmaking. And like he was so involved. I mean, yeah. And that's what's so like w- interesting about this is that he really was so involved. He was the guy that was like, we're going to figure it out because back then they just used like, rear projection or you know they use different methods to get the aerial sequences done so this time around they were like no we're gonna do it for real we're gonna hang imax cameras on you know uh on these planes we're gonna put little tiny imax cameras in (laughs) you know in cockpits i mean we're gonna go the full we're going to go the full way here. There's no, you know, half Monty, no half measures. It's the full, it's everything or not at all. Uh, and that's what I kind of was in leading into Top Gun Maverick. That's what I was hoping for. I was hoping to see like, how does this all work together without like, how does, how do they still like manage to tell a story? Um, and somehow they come out like, Dub like majorly going through my expectations like they went through the roof for me i i was totally in love this is the mad max fairy road of 2022 yeah um, this is one of those few like lega sequels if you will where it feels like it had, had a stronger foundation it wasn't just relying on the iconography and the nostalgia again it's like i've i've enjoyed the first one but it's not like something super special to me so this movie was still able to get me really involved it just felt like it was it was much stronger like a a fury road other than just being like here's stuff you recognize absolutely um and and even more so like this the the way this movie is done because this movie could have easily just been this nice soft you know it could have been just another one of these four quadrant movies that's just like okay here's the romance here's the side story here's the father-son story here's the but no it all what's so great about this is Kaczynski actually like trusts the audience and uses 
like Claudia Miranda's beautiful cinematography and uses music and uses, you know, like the good acting and like uses all of his tools in his toolbox to make an imp- like one of the best blockbusters I've seen in years. And- what I found interesting about the story though is, is that, and I don't mean this as a negative, but there aren't many surprises in the movie. Like it, you pretty much know like this is how this arc is going to go, but it, it doesn't feel shallow. And I feel like it almost knows that the audience knows that, you know, like, uh, again, just sort of jumping into a specific plot moment before the final mission when Rooster and, and Maverick are talking. It's like, it's okay, we'll talk after the mission. It's got that serious two days till retirement vibe where it's like it knows what the audience is going to be feeling in that moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... It, I mean, it's really good. It like it has all the motions, but it does it so well. Like it, like it's such a well-oiled machine. And you're kind of, and if you're like, I mean, if you're not so cynical, you'll just be so swept into it. Like, there's so many ways you can watch this movie and be like, here we go, predictable plot, predictable ever, like you know, oh my gosh, Jennifer Connelly's gonna fall in love again. You know, it's all this, but without a hint of cynicism, this movie earns everything it gets or everything it accomplishes, because not only is it putting in the work as in in the filmmaking, but it's also putting in the work as a story. Like you're just as invested in seeing Maverick you know, redeem himself in the eyes of not only, you know, uh, Rooster, but, you know, also Penny, the military, or the Navy. Um, I mean, just you're, you are all in on the story because you believe it. And Tom Cruise gives just another hell of a performance in a very popcorn movie. It feels like one of the first movies I've, I've, seen from him in this era where he seems to acknowledge or at least his character acknowledges that he's getting older it seems like he's been fighting time and this movie may have been Tom Cruise's way of saying like yeah I'm pushing 60 like there aren't many of these more in me you know we got to get the younger guys ready to to take over Mm -hmm. not that he's going anywhere he's still maverick he's still the best but it was interesting to see him finally be willing to address that well and and david i'll i'll let you chime in 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 just a second or you know i'll let you chime in in just a second but um the way i've kind of looked at cruz's career at least for this past decade is that cruz is kind of acknowledging that you know i can pass the torch because ghost protocol was supposed to be a passing torch movie if anyone remembers Mm-hmm. then they rewrote it during filming uh to not be that and so like i think cruise is kind of like each movie is kind of just like even if it's the mission impossible movies if it's about edge of tomorrow or american made each movie is kind of sort of like if you're really studying or watching through the lens of the tom cruise filmography or the tom cruise career Tom Cruise is basically making very subtle movies about how he's feeling, about how the metatextualness of his career and how insane he is. I mean, because I mean, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is all about how Ethan Hunt is just a nut, just, you know, truly mm-hmm. gone insane. 
and we uh, and we know this because we open with Tom Cruise jumping on a plane and hanging on waiting for Simon Pegg to open the door so I mean we know he's crazy and then in book in the movie with him threatening to you know kill himself and Rebecca Ferguson and Simon Pegg you know as a way of you know to as a way to get the guy bad guys to not you know to stop the bomb so. I think there's even a line in there where they refer to him as the embodiment of manifest destiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a manifestation of destiny or something yes. like that. Absolutely. And that's, and here, like going to Matt's point of view, it's, or Matt's point, that's what the movie is about. Like it is very much about uh, Tom Cruise realizing he is older, but in that his, that his, he is the movie star. And he is one of the last of his kind. Yeah, we got the Meryl Streep. So, you know, all of the Marvel guys are movie stars. But by definition, Tom Cruise is the one guy that's out there who uses his clout to get stuff done or to get to push for push his movies to the edge. Yeah, and that's the meta text of this movie. It opens with, oh, we want to get rid of pilots and just have it be all drones and we don't need to do this anymore. And Maverick and Tom Cruise are trying to protect a certain way of doing things whether it's maverick you know protecting the pilots or just tom cruise trying to keep that old-fashioned kind of adventure movie alive you know and there's still an audience to look for look at how much money it made it's making marvel money and that's what yeah and that's what's like getting me that's what makes me much more happier that's what's getting making me happy is that it's not just me like it's just not us like you know film buffs are like yes, we finally have like a tactile movie that we've been wanting, you know, it's, it's spanning, it's also reaching, you know, a wider audience. Um, but yeah, but yeah, so, and David, what about you? What's your point of, what's your point on all this? Planes go vroom. <laughs> and it's a good movie. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything y'all y'all just said. Um, I honestly did not realize Jennifer Connelly was playing a different character from the <laughs> love interest in the first one. So you sent me a tweet after the fact about like it being the penny bend. I, I thought for some reason I thought it was the same love interest, and uh, now I'm like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Um, let's see what what else can I say, um, man? I, the like the cinematography on the planes like we were kind of alluding to earlier like that that stuff was incredible um i especially liked how the movie like we kind of touched on a little bit of the um iconography thing about like a sequels and i thought it was interesting how like uh top gun maverick kind of utilized some of that and like story beats and then like subverted them in a way like for example um there's the whole thing about in the first top gun when he picks up the chick at the bar and then or well he's trying to and then the next day she's their teacher she's like their instructor then you have that with tom cruise's character with maverick uh the one at the bar and then he shows up next day he's the teacher and all the students are like oh my gosh that's him you know like there's that moment like very much kind of a, a twist on what we know and then there's like um, just the whole thing about him coming back to be an instructor 
like with him being like so reckless and on the edge and all that. Um, then there's like, I'm trying to think of the other story beats that kind of mirrored the original. Well, I mean, there's the whole like, I guess, overarching arc thing of, of the story where they're like, okay, we've got to go on this mission to like stop these, uh, well, like here it's, I guess it's a little more um, nuclear war, but like, it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're preparing you for this specific mission. You go out, take care of these guys and come home, you know, you'll celebrate. Um, so like, that's all kind of familiar. Uh, you have them playing, uh, like, I guess, not really, I guess, just not really flag football, I guess, beach football instead of beach volleyball. Um, well, you kind of can't do Top Gun without, you know, the shirtless guys playing ball. Exactly. Like the iconic In scene slow-mo. in the first movie. They just change the ball. And, yeah. And you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, it- yeah and like what's so great about you know that what you just said is like they not only are changing it just slightly but it's just enough to like because i think there is like a i think there was this kind of quote of like we gotta be a little nostalgic we gotta bring we gotta kind of hit the you know i don't even want to be cynical but we gotta have to hit the you know hallmarks we have to open the movie with you know danger zone and the opening theme of the and just have a montage of people you know flying off of you know you know these air carriers so we have to have that and then so i mean even more so you have to have a scene where an admiral you know an ultra budget admiral just because i can't believe i'm doing this but i'm sitting (laughs) but only only you know only to known of the almighty I'm sending you back to Top Gun. And like even Maverick's like. <laughs> I wonder if even that's a little metatextual. It's like, really? Tom Cruise is doing another Top Gun? Like he's going back <laughs> to Top Gun? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think a, a lot of people, you know, uh, were, were really thinking like, of all the movies he was going to make a sequel to, Top Gun. Interesting, you know, after all this time. Yeah, well, I mean, and I'll probably get into it in another like Top Gun related episode. Uh, but I mean, they tried to make a sequel for years. Like this wasn't like th- this like long like decade long development uh, with this just one project was of one of many incarnations of the sequel. I mean, originally Paramount was just going to do a low budget sequel with whatever B roll they didn't use of from Top Gun, and then the editors were like. No, you can't do that. We used every pop, like a <laughs> yeah. decent shot in the movie, so uh, they could. So yeah, they they were. So yeah, I mean they've been trying, and then Cruz was very ap- apprehensive, and then finally, like in the early 2010s, they got very close. Top, and then unfortunately, Tony Scott passed away, and that stalled the sequel for many other years, and then finally. Kaczynski uh, took the job, and here we are. I'm almost, I'm almost glad that it took this long because you couldn't have gotten this. Because the story, the story at least as it is now, feels like it couldn't have been told ten or twenty years ago because it's very much about the you know the these characters facing time essentially. You know, you wouldn't have had that really great scene with you know Maverick and, and Iceman. 
Oh yeah, no, this is a movie that works, you know, almost in serendipitous way. Like it, it, like you know, because who knows? Like, because if if anything that didn't, like, if the cancer didn't happen to Val Kilmer, not saying, you know, that was a not saying, you know, that was a god, not saying, you know, anything bad about it. But I mean, just like if, you know, the way that scene is done between Iceman and Mav is so like it is so powerful it all it nearly is the heart of the movie or or for some it is the heart of the movie because just those simple texts you know just that simple direction and those two performers just reacting to each other you know it, it's it's it does so much with so it does so much by doing so little if that and that's my and those are my favorite moments of the movie is when the movie is just like no dialogue we're just going to show you like these characters interacting uh with i mean and, and and as for that you know we're obviously talking like full spoilers here right you know with the um yeah i guess i mean yeah i guess because we're we've already talked a little bit about the third act so yes Spoilers. Go ahead. Well, I just think it, it, it's not even just the the passing of, you know, obviously Goose, you know, died in the first movie, but here with the passing of Iceman and then in dialogue, they mentioned that Rooster's mother had also passed away. It seems like all these people from Maverick's youth are all gone now. He's sort of the only one left to do what needs to be done. Which, and as for that scene where he does what needs to be done, I saw this in IMAX with a packed crowd. And that scene where he does the trial run and succeeds had people cheering like it was a Marvel movie. You know, that's the other thing. This is a great movie to see with the crowd. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I've seen this. So I've seen this movie like I, I told David this earlier. I've seen this movie now three times wow. uh, for three different reasons. Um, and each time, you're right, they cheered uh, for each of those moments, like each of the big moments. Uh, especially the moment when, especially one particular moment at the very end of the movie, but I'll save it for later. Yeah. Uh, but so there, so yeah, I mean, this is, you know, but yeah, what were you gonna say? I thought I heard someone Oh no! I was just following along that it's it's the kind of movie that creates those moments that get an audience reaction, but doesn't feel too cynical. Like you were saying, I feel like it really has a heart to it. I all right. So the thing about the first movie is that, like I said, I think it's fun. I enjoyed it, but the screenplay is just a bag of hot air. Like it's very shallow. Oh yeah, it's terrible. That movie is good because of Tom Cruise, Tony Scott, and Kenny Loggins. Like those are the people who like saved that movie, made it worth watching. And, and here there's much more care in the depth of these characters. It's not just shallow melodrama that gets you from scene to scene. I feel like like or like the love interest with with Penny, Jennifer Connolly, creating a, a history there instead of a new love interest feels like you're already hitting the ground running. They have something solid to base that on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on well, and also I have to credit uh, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer for I for because they really were like because they really did see the first cut of the movie the top that Scott turned in and apparently it didn't go well so they were like test screening top gun like to death to figure out like what really needed to be added in and what needed to be you know what needed to be massaged out more and and so they were the ones that kind of like created well we need to have the beach ball scene we need to have the love story um you know really beefed up uh so they were so it was uh, it was a combination of everything but the script because the script really is like it's shocking how basic it is yeah a lot of it feels like filler like it's just spinning its wheels trying to get to the good stuff sometimes but Mm -hmm. I like I didn't feel that way with this one and yeah and no because I feel like you know well a you have Christopher McQuarrie who I mean and not to discredit the other writers but uh, the other four writers of this project but I mean you have Christopher McQuarrie coming in and kind of being Cruz's like liaison writer and then you have just Kaczynski who really just like proved like he really can direct a movie without or direct a movie with characters and not lots of special effects and not uh, and not have like that be like the reliant not reliant on visuals and and here he really does like lay the visual storytelling here i mean there's still like montages and stuff that really works like the montage of Cruz learning he's gonna have to fly with like the crew like with rooster and mm-hmm. like in the in the in these other kids and he has to go and tell Penny that he's going, and they're just having that montage of them just standing on the beach, and there's a nice Hans Zimmer little music. Yeah. And then it just cuts to like the most epic like shot ever, and it's just like wow. Maverick just standing wow. over this like ledge in the ocean, just like does he really want to be here? Does he really want? Because he, because he has the other admiral, admiral saying you're where you belong, but he's kind of like, am I though? Am like he has that look of like, am I? <laughs> and it's just like it, it, like so much is done in this movie without you know dialogue, and so much is just show that I just really like appreciate. How, like I genuinely love how Kaczynski just a lot like finally like culminates together visual storytelling and emotional storytelling or that moment when rooster is singing you know goodness gracious great balls of fire and it's he's having the flashback to goose and you've got maverick looking at rooster and then you've got penny looking at maverick and it feels like there's a whole lot going on just with the stairs absolutely and then you just have the montage and uh the, or the flashbacks you know that in another movie would be comical because i feel like team america world police like two decades ago parody that <laughs> kind of um they but for, for here it's played so well and it all works because cruz is giving a great performance like you see like how much 
and it's it's not even just Cruz. I mean, he's outside the bar looking in into like these, and then also he's looking at these other kids that are now like, and now he has the weight of the responsibility of if if this mission fails, it's another catastrophe on him. It's another like hit on his soul, if you will, because. Yeah. Well, that was the kind of arc he went through. Everyone's telling him there are other ways to do this mission, but he refused to acknowledge any plan that would put anyone in real danger because he's like, which of these kids is going to be the next goose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's why, like, in the scene where he mentions, you know, we got to succeed the mission, but bring everyone home, it kind of lays out, like, it kind of not in a subtle way, like, it lays out the film, but it also lays out the moral of this. It lays out the kind of the goal of the movie. That no, these care like if no one comes home or if one person doesn't get to come home, then the whole movie doesn't work. The whole idea, the whole thematic through line of the movie doesn't work. Well, that's the classic bureaucratic thing, you know. They're worried about like you damaged a multi-million dollar jet, and it's like. But the pilot survived. Isn't that the important thing? You know, and it's like, you know, they're looking at the the, the planes and, and you know, there goes back to what uh, Rooster and Maverick talk about. You know, it's not the plane, it's the pilot. They care about the pilots and the guys in the, the offices care about the planes. Yeah. I mean, same thing. I mean, or same thing as the first one. I mean, the uh the admiral from the first movie is like you can't fly planes like that like that you don't own them the taxpayers do yeah um also can we just acknowledge because i know we have star wars fans here the the third act of the movie is just the trench run from new hope right i was thinking the same thing when i was watching <laughs> complete with when when they're like my laser's not working and i was thinking to myself just use the force rooster that's what he does basically. and that's what he does and then he gets it in the small thing and like that hole's no bigger than you know three meters wide that yeah but he gets it big as a rat. well i mean to be fair when they pitched the first movie back in the 80s Bruckheimer pitched it as star wars but with fighter jets well there you go so you know i was kind of watching the movie thinking if patty jenkins and rogue squadron really isn't working out maybe joseph kaczynski could take that project on yeah, I, I would be down for that. <laughs> I think it would, you know, I, I would be okay with it, but I'm almost positive Kaczynski would rather want to do like his Tron 3. Oh, no, 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 I know. I'm just saying if the stars aligned and those those two came within like, I, like you've got you to gotta think that Lucasfilm, after seeing the performance, box office performance of Top, off, Top Gun Maverick this weekend, is at least considering it. Like they're, they're if, probably if, at least clearing a spot in the schedule to have a meeting with them just to discuss yeah. general, you know. I mean, this is the second. I mean, if then if it happens, it'll be the second time, like in a row, that Bruckheimer has produced a movie where the directors immediately went to like Disney or a Disney subsidiary to go have meetings and then get a project going through them. Cause uh the Bad Boys for Life directors, uh, they went from that and they're now directing um, episodes for Miss Marvel. So, and that was actually their first project they got to do. That was the first project they were assigned to do after Bad Boys for Life, after the success of that movie. 
I didn't know they were working on that. I thought they're doing Batgirl too, right? So are they yes. are they doing DC and Marvel now? Yes. I, I guess that's the power of Bruckheimer. I know. Bruckheimer <laughs> is just like, I mean, I'm sure it also has to do with like Will Smith for, for bad boys. Uh, yeah. Like in Tom Cruise for Kaczynski. Because uh, I mean, Kaczynski worked on Oblivion. So yeah, sure a they- number of actors he's worked with before have, have showed up in others films i know um miles teller and jennifer connelly were both in only the brave and then tom cruise with oblivion so clearly he must be you know good with actors if they want to work with him again yeah and jeff bridges was in uh only only the brave all right and tron yeah tron yeah he i mean must be and then uh and he really must like miles teller because in like two three weeks uh from now kaczynski is releasing a movie on netflix called Spiderhead, or uh, that has Miles Teller and Chris Hemsworth in it. It's like an action spy. I think I, I think I read about that. I can't remember what it, uh, much about it though. I know, like Netflix should be after this weekend should be like, we got the next Kaczynski movie. Come on, <laughs> right? Because they filmed this thing like three years ago. He could have made like two movies yeah. in that time. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Kaczynski has next because I think he literally just finished Spiderhead and he's doing the tour for this. So, yeah, well, he's been doing the tour for this movie for like three years. So <laughs> he's, he's probably ready to move on to something else. Yeah. You know, so, that's the other thing. I felt so bad for the, the young actors in this who kept waiting for it to come out because this could be like, the big break, you know, the big splash. Like I've been waiting for Glenn Powell to become like a yeah. star for like eight years. And like, I, I hope that this finally pushes him over the edge to get some of those. Cause he's always good in, in everything. And he's, he was in a best picture nominee. And I feel like he still hasn't cracked to that A-list yet. Even, even more so, I mean, Glenn Powell, I mean, you see interviews with him and you're like, how is he not... A movie star like he's how... got it he's got the same it that tom cruise had in the first top gun yeah like, i mean he's right there i mean for the taking um and like wants to and like is campaigning to be like a movie star like he wants to be in movies like he would love i'm sh- like how has this guy not got a dc deal or a marvel deal or a star wars like how is this guy just like yeah i'm only in top gun so and I and he had to f- campaign for it. Like he really had to like talk through it because I, he was. Oh, go ahead. I'm sure Kevin Feige after this weekend wrote him down on a short list for uh, Johnny Storm. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that that had to happen. If he, well, if I also he went, heard that uh, he had auditioned for Rooster, and they're like, "You're not right for the part," but they gave him a different role because they just wanted to keep him around. They're like, "We got to cast you in something." yeah yeah Yeah, i mean how i mean making a top gun movie without glenn powell feels like a cardinal sin yeah like like how is he not like even if he's just one of the other pilots like or like he is now like how would you just miss how would you miss that you know opportunity like it's so it's just there for the taking you know because he's this movie's Iceman essentially and then look you know val kilmer went on to be batman so i'm just Fingers crossed Powell does something great. You know, I actually disagree with it. I think he's more of a the maverick here. 
because Maverick I was is thinking that if, if Rooster's sort of your hero and then you've got uh, okay. the Hangman's the antagonist, just that sort of role he fills. Yeah. But as far as the cockiness, he's very much a Maverick. Okay, all right. So what you're saying is, you know, in about 10 years from now, Glenn Powell's is going to have a massive ego problem and Michael and Michael Mann and everyone's just going to have a fit over him. We'll see. Uh, so, no, so that's, so, but no, I mean, Glenn Powell is so great. And then Louis Pullman uh, doing some great work as Bob. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know he was in this until I saw his name in the opening credits. And I think it's great that both he and his dad have played fighter pilots. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, his dad is in the other movie? But his dad is is uh, Bill Pullman, fighter oh. pilot, Independence oh, Day. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, but yeah. So, and who is? I'm forgetting her name. But who's the main girl that's in? That's one of the pilots. I'm gonna have to look it up. Oh, it's Monica, something, isn't it? What was that? He said Monica heard. something. Um, uh, Monica. Monica Bar, she's Phoenix. Mark Monica Bar Barbaro. I think that's it. It was Phoenix, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that the call sign. Yeah, she's great. She has a really good scene with Rooster after, like he like gets killed, or after he gets like bombed or fake bombed, and where she doesn't want Hangman to be the leader, she wants she'd rather have him, and that's so interesting. Like, and it just keeps building on the drama if you will. Like, the melodrama just gets to such a peak in this movie. Uh, especially... Do you think it was... No. Um, like, I know we kind of touched on... Like, you said you thought that the relationship between um, Maverick and Iceman was like, kind of the heart of the movie, where I think that is, like, a nice moment. I, I To me, it felt like the backbone of this movie is definitely the relationship between uh, Maverick and Rooster. And I think that was like a brilliant decision to like kind of have that be this like have Maverick have to confront like have this weighing on his conscious conscience like this decision of having to decide whether to send Rooster out and to like actually fly or not do that and have him like hold a grudge like already when he has like like I like this idea that he was kind of like Rooster's like almost guardian angel in a sense where he was like kind of trying to st pull his his uh, application from the academy or papers yeah. from the academy so he couldn't like follow his father's path he didn't want that to happen to him and because he like promised his mom and stuff and like I, I thought that was like such a like rich like um just such a rich um foundation for this story and it's kind of amazing that like as we were talking about like the the first top gun it's like so um we, we called it kind of like a paper bag or whatever where it's like kind of just <laughs> yeah. so, so hollow and called um, it a bag of hot air that's all it was bag of hot air there you go sorry um <laughs> whereas like i feel like they ended up making it like this straight like it felt like you would you would you would expect building off of that to not have the greatest results but it's like they make that so genuinely like it feels so genuine in the way that it's so rooted in the heart of what this movie is like it's, it's a sequel that like respects the original but like not in a way that's like 
overly nostalgic for it, but like in a way that it's like genuinely building upon it and having new things to say. I think that's it. Um, it's, it's not repeating the first movie. It is building on it, which you don't always get with, with the Lega sequels. And I feel like this used it as a jumping point to tell the story it wanted to tell, you know, create this dilemma of damned if you do, damned if you don't. He's talking that scene with, with Jennifer Connelly where like, if I let him go on the mission, he could die. If I pull him from the mission, he'll never forgive me and you can lose him either way. You know, it's like, so what do you do in that situation? You have to let go. It's the obvious one. As Iceman says. And sometimes letting go is harder than, it's the hardest thing to do. And even more so, so on to that point, I do love like Jennifer Connelly also has a daughter. Like it's not like a daughter figure. It's, she has her own daughter and that she has to, you know, she has to take care of and all, but she trusts her enough to let her go and be a teenager. And, but also this girl also is committed to being book smart and, you know, on top of things. So it really did, so for Maverick's eyes, it did work out, but for Penny, she just had to let go, which is like what everyone's telling Maverick to do. Was um, anyone else waiting for that sort of Forrest Gump reveal where she's like, she's your daughter, Maverick? Yeah. Two hours <laughs> I was waiting for that reveal and it never came. <laughs> I, I thought that was gonna happen earlier on when he was at the bar and like or well well when he first meets the girl like I thought it was going to be revealed that like he was actually her father like shortly afterwards but then I could that that idea kind of went out of my head as soon as it was revealed she like already had a dad I was like okay it's probably just yeah. gonna stay at that but um yeah I, I, that that thought definitely crossed my mind <laughs> yeah and I'm so glad it went the other way uh because I don't know, like I, because after, especially you mentioned earlier uh, with Jack Reacher, never go back. I'm like, oh no, we need to just like Tom. I know Tom Cruise is old enough to have kids or adult or teenage or adult children, um, or he actually does in real life. Um, but it's just like we don't need like we don't need like legacy characters. We don't need to. We don't need that in this movie like on top of it like i love that like he kind of enters back into our, penny's life you know he's this old flame and entering back into her life after all of after she's went through her own life and her own family and that kind of thing so and that's you know someone else actually pointed out uh to me i didn't catch it in the movie uh, a friend of mine was texting me afterwards and said that her character is name dropped in the first movie which I didn't catch at all. She was the Admiral's daughter that he had a fling with that, that Goose is, is ribbing him about. And I'm like, what a, like a weird callback, but it works because they clearly have had this on again, off again thing for forever. Yeah. And an even more incredible thing is that in, Tom Cruise has kind of been dogged lately for not have, for like being like in his fifties, but still having like, actresses that are like the love interest or the co-star that are in his 30s or in their 30s and this one like jennifer connelly is like closer and it feels i i don't feel like it's i don't know if it's cruz answering a criticism as much as like here's 
a better way to streamline the story like have this character come back be name dropped and then you know and then you have this like long developed love romance and you get to kind of like you know be in it more and feel more an investment especially with Connelly being so good in this role like she really you know the moment she sees you know Cruz and then you know she's the, the chemistry is just there 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 it's all there and then you know mo- several minute moments after that's or several scenes later where you know he's dropping her off after the boat scene the sailboat scene and she just has that like you know uh, moment and it's just like it works like all that my work. audience was so into it when she left the door open for yes, him. Yes, <laughs> like, like, the cheers, there was like was some like, ooh, yeah. And then like, when he comes down from the window and the daughter is in the kitchen, he looks through the window, <laughs> my yeah. audience lost it. That was, moment is so hilarious. Like, And then the tide turns when she says, don't break her heart again. Yes. Like, like in a split second they go from laughing to oh like they feel the weight being now put on Cruz to not fuck this up yeah one thing that that ties into the whole sort of like almost all the storylines in this come to back to the same theme of time like he is getting too old to just kind of like have flings around like it's time to have like an adult relationship finally and to have that sort of be where the movie ends, where like he finds his place with Penny, you know, which is such a great like last shot, by the way, just Jennifer Connelly and Tom Cruise making out on a vintage Porsche with like the sunset <laughs> as Lady Gaga screams her song in the background. Like that's <laughs> cinema. <laughs> it is cinema. <laughs> Uh, with, that was the other thing. When I saw opening credits and it said music by Harold Faltermeyer, Lady Gaga, and Hans Zimmer, I was like, "Yeah, the movies are back." And then <laughs> movie, pro- and then soundtrack produced by Lauren Balfi. Yeah, uh, who did the, the Mission Impossible movies? Okay. Oh, the last one, at least. Yeah. No, it's just like in you know in his score. I just heard the score at least for me. It's so beautiful i don't know if you guys picked up on this so during the dark star sequence at the opening of the movie where he's flying that and you hear that like kind of like love melody that plays throughout the movie it's played through there and you feel like Cruz beings like having this like harmonious like you know he's in his place he's in his own when he's flying this jet at 10 g's or nine or yeah 10 g's and in the sky, blue, you know, magic hour, all beautiful. Uh, stuff that makes, you know, images that make me cry, you know. And, um, and then you hear that again, repeatedly through, you know, all the stuff with Penny. It's like this music, this one music cue is like creating this, you know, one arc throughout the story and telling you the story of like how, Maverick is going from a person of I love flying, I want to keep flying to now I found my place. I found a place where I can be grounded, if both spiritually and I mean physically. Yeah. 
So I love the music for that. There are some like Hans Zimmer-esque like, you know, action horns. I mean, when Tom is running to Goose after his plane has been hit, I mean, it very much has that Hans Zimmer like, I can't do the theme, but it's like it has that Hans Zimmer March theme that's like in the Transformers movies, Pirates of the Caribbean, all that stuff. And, oh, yeah. But, and I just want to uh, comment on that scene you just mentioned. I love that in a movie where Tom Cruise spends all of the action scenes in a jet, they still found a moment to have Tom Cruise run. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We have to have the signature run. <laughs> you can't have a movie with Tom Cruise and not have him run in it. That's just, that's just not, that's just, that's against the rules of cinema. They're so aware of it now. Like Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise were talking about when they did Fallout. They're like, we're going to make it the best Tom Cruise running scene ever. Oh, I loved it so much. Uh, and then like the, the running scene that's in the trailer uh, for Mission Impossible 7 that comes up like right before his like Tom Cruise. Like, yeah. That one like already looks so good. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, like 10 seconds of it. And I can already tell. I also love talking about the power. You know, we're talking about this movie as, as far as legacy, not just for Maverick, but for Tom Cruise. I'm at Tom Cruise being like the last movie star. Something I started noticing with his last few movies is that no matter how big the other actors are in the movies that he's in, whether it's Alec Baldwin or Ed Harris or John Hamm or, or Henry Cavill, whoever it is, Henry Cavill, all the trailers just say Tom Cruise and no other names. Everyone just takes a back seat. Yeah, it's like you're here for Tom Cruise. Like no one's, no one's really. I love him, but no one's going to see Mission Impossible Seven to see the Simon Pegg show. Like he's honestly one of my faves, but they're like you're coming for Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, you're not here for the uh, Haley Atwell show. You're here for the Tom Cruise show. I'm there for Haley Atwell too. Okay, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but for reals, we're here for Tom Cruise. Uh. <clears throat> I know I'm so which also it's both that was such a great trailer but also a bummer to see the July 2023 it's killing me yeah <laughs> like why like Tom it's like because the movie is a reportedly almost finished anyway I think it's because of the fact they're doing like the two-parter like they they haven't finished filming eight I don't even know if they've started shooting eight yet or I think they've filmed sequences. I don't know if the principal photographer, I can actually, you know, David, yeah. if you might I just, talking. I just read that they delayed Mission Impossible. It was supposed to come out this year, but I read that they delayed it because Top Gun had been delayed to this year and they didn't want two cruise movies in the same year, I guess. That could Which, come on. <laughs> it's like, maybe they just want to spread him out because Tom Cruise is his own event movie. Yeah, I get that. I mean, come on though. <laughs> I think it will work out in their favor because I can see this uh, seven and eight being like a bigger deal because they're supposedly going to be his last. Like I can see it being like not as big as Infinity War and Endgame, but like that same sort of mentality to it. That like the last Mission Impossible movies or like sort of the last hurrah of Tom the last Cruise hurrah of Tom Cruise leading a mission impossible yeah movie. he'll be there in his 60s go. by the time the last one comes out yeah, yeah so it's probably gonna be his last and while i know that like keanu reeves is also pushing 60 i believe you know it's like there's still only so far you can take your body once you hit a certain age so it's like you gotta do as much now like 
I feel like eventually we'll get back to Tom Cruise character actor, you know, the guy who did The Firm and Jerry Maguire and, and Magnolia and Collateral. But I feel like now he's like, I need to do Jack Reacher and Oblivion and Mission Impossible and Top Gun while I can. And then I'll, you know, maybe go back to that era of Cruise. Okay. We love him for it. <laughs> okay, so side note, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 is has already started production. It started production in March, officially, okay. uh, according to Collider. So, but yeah, no, it's, what I do, what I appreciate about uh, Tom Cruise is that he, does, I think he even has commented that he wants to do as much of these action movies as possible because, I mean, he is a star. And he is the one kind of championing like the we're gonna do as little CGI as po- or little digital as possible. Uh, we're gonna do as practically as possible, and so he knows. I mean, going back to that line, he knows that he is destined for extinction. He knows that he can't do this, um, but he's also very aware that not today. If I can make it. If I can survive, if my ankle can just hold together with scotch tape, yeah. um, then for just this one take, it's not going to be today. F- cinema will survive one more day as long as I'm, you know, as long as I'm Tom Cruise and I'm doing this insane stuff and endangering my cast and crew on fighter jets. And, you know, I am not anti-CGI the way a lot of people are. I'm actually very pro-CGI in many cases, but there's just something about, again, especially in IMAX, seeing these shots from inside the cockpit, you know, those wide angle things, we can see the tips of the wings and seeing the force of the plane on the actors, there's just something really exhilarating about seeing those real moments. Well, man, there's CGI like in this movie. Oh it's- yeah. It's almost weird when it happens. Like, like there is a, there's like a CGI explosion at one point you're like, that was almost jarring. Yeah, I mean, and then, I mean, people like to rake on, you know, Mad or Mad Max, or people like to praise Mad Max Fury Road for all of its practicality, but there's 1,500 visual effects shots in so much in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Like the it's, but to me, the reason why I love Top, well, the reason why I appreciate Top Gun Maverick so much is it's like this homage to the 2000s. Which is weird saying because I'm not even that old, but to call something that was a decade, two decades ago, a homage. But it's this homage of like when CGI and practicality was like working together and become in crafting some really like awe inspiring, you know, action sequences and story beats. And, and I think the reason why now like seeing Top Gun Maverick just feels like, you know, we have to solivate you know, the realness of it as much as possible is because so much of movies today feel like video game animated movies. And you can kind of tell, you can see the effect. Whereas- It's a very old fashioned movie, not just in like, you know, it's commitment to practical effects, but the story is again, pretty straightforward. And again, I don't even mean that in a bad way. I think it's just great that it's kind of just an ode to just kind of good old fashioned movie that tells you what it's going to do, does it and does it well without being too complicated, without needing to be like, it feels like an event, but it, it doesn't need to be like the biggest thing ever. Just like, here's a good solid movie. 
you know these characters are gonna you know resolve their issues at the end you know he's gonna end up with the girl but that's okay you know it's just how you get there and you should not really think about like all of the damage they have done to this one airbase with the collateral damage to the airbase don't <laughs> yeah. don't think about that at all like no um we don't even know who they were bombing they never once named the country they could have said montana the whole movie could have like (laughs) it could have been montana or utah like montana and utah just you know started a civil war you know and then (laughs) and then and they're like no we got to go to montana so we got to go to montana to blow up the the uranium yeah it's it's a it's a snowy like it's just like a snowy country that borders the ocean. So like, are they bombing Greenland? Like what? <laughs> it's Iceland. Iceland. They're the culprits. Yeah. <laughs> can never trust. <laughs> can never trust those Icelandian people. Um, uh, no, it's just, but it's, and even better. I mean, like, so I mean, it like all of that, like kind of, it kind of relieves you of having to think about all this too much. You can still think about it all you want, but it it disarm. But having that already, like the country not even be named, kind of disarms you to kind of enjoy the action even more because you don't really know who's fighting who. You could just be like, just the empire. They're they're they they went to ho- They went to the whatever the ice planet is in star wars they went to attack uh, they went to hoth to attack you know the empire or something see we can always tie this all but i guess we can always tie this back to star wars um uh but no so yeah maverick is obi-wan rooster is luke and then you've got uh hangman with the han solo save at the end which is great. It, that got the most cheers out of. We, yeah, yeah. We, we didn't talk about either of the saves really yet, but like those moments were so fantastic. And I loved when Cruz confronts Rooster and he's like, what were you thinking? And he was like, I wasn't. You told me not to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, those moments, again, killed with the audience. It's another one of those things where like in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm waiting for Hangman to show up because you're not going to bench him for the whole finale. But it's still such a rousing moment when it does happen. It does because it's like, I mean, it's not even that you know they're in lock mode, but you see the one missile come out and it gets sort of like an inch or two away, and then bam, and you just see Hangman. It's like, of course, Hangman's gonna be here, like of course. And it's just no, it's a great finale. It's truly a cheerworthy moment because people. I mean, I was looking around my IMAX theater the second time I was watching it, just seeing people just like, like almost in praying like position. Yeah. And because they were so into the movie. And then when they see, you know, Hangman show up, you know, do the save, people were cheering. People were absolutely happy. And then, of course, every, I don't know if this happened for you guys, but every, time i saw the movie everyone cheered and applauded the movie at the end credits yeah they did like it was like each time like each subsequent time people were cheering for this movie and uh and it just was like wow so you guys will cheer for anything that's not a start because i didn't have this reaction for the batman 
like or I didn't have like this lot of a response for the Batman like so I was just like wow yes you guys will cheer <laughs> um it's just that kind of movie everyone wants to go see the Top Gun jet movie Tom Cruise and then they're going to go to their Memorial Day barbecue it's just a fun time at the movies I'm actually excited to go see it again I know yeah, I it's it's going to be a 4k buy for me <laughs> oh yeah yeah Oh yeah, Vandango. So Vandango was like, because I bought some tickets from Vandango. Uh, they sent me an offer to buy the movie on 4K, like with Top Gun, and I'm like, I already have Top Gun on 4K, so, uh, so I'm gonna have to decline that offer. So yeah, uh, but no, uh, but yeah. So was there any other points for Top Gun Maverick? I just want to add that I love the Lady Gaga song. Oh, it's great. I've, I've been listening to it over and over. That and uh, the song from One Republic uh, for the beach scene. Oh, yeah. Um, David, what about you? The dudes rocked. Dudes rocked. Certified dude rock picture. Yes. Um, see this movie, guys? It's well worth it. Um, as someone who has seen it uh, three times now, uh, I can say it was it did not diminish on repeat viewings. So go for it, go for it, go see. And we have like kind of a week off, um, especially if you're not you know, and if you're not seeing the Jurassic World movie, you have two weeks off. So go, you have multiple times to go see multiple or uh, Top Gun Maverick multiple times. So please go. So yeah, I'm uh, trying to think what else. So if no one has any more thoughts, uh, would y'all like to go to plugins? Anyway, uh, Matt, starting with you, uh, where can the good people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me. I'm just on Twitter at, at callmematt88. Uh, David? You can find me on Twitter at wiser underscore David. And then I have a blog called Film Assessment. I haven't written anything on it in a while, but if you want to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at MovieKale. This is where you get updates on this. Um, I did hint earlier in the show that we will do another Top Gun kind of episode. We, I am toying with doing a Top Gun retrospective because I was like, because I really was thinking, because looking into like the documentary and stuff, I'm like, there is a, like a whole episode of like we could talk about Top Gun, you know, just the making of it without even like going all the way through the movie. Because to me, I don't really care too much about the original movie, but the making of it is really like its own story to talk about. So I'll have to check it out though. Yeah, I think it's on. Like, it, I don't know. If, I don't know if it made it to the 4K. I'm positive it did, but. If not, it should be on YouTube or the original DVD release, DVD or Blu-ray release. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we will be back very soon. I don't know what the next one will be, but if not, we will be back in a couple weeks for uh, at least Jurassic World Dominion. All dinosaurs make the all dinosaurs movie. Yay. All right, thanks everyone.
end is inevitable, Maverick. Your kind is headed for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today.